0: Today, we'll be discussing how digital and broadcast campaigns work together on the path to conversion. Today's presenters are Tom Galati from Dire Media. Tom is an expert in broadcast advertising and performance. We also have Lisa Higgins, Director of Paid Media at Market Force, and Lisa is an expert on how to leverage digital advertising to drive campaign performance. My name is Lucas Sommer. I am the director of marketing at LeadsRx, a multi-touch attribution tool, which helps Tom and Lisa and guys that are out there doing performance marketing measure the effectiveness of those campaigns. So let's get started. We wanted to start off with a pretty famous quote that I'm sure most of the folks on this webinar have heard before. Half the money that I spend on advertising is wasted, but the trouble is I don't know which half. That is the challenge that we all face, and we're hoping to shed some light on this situation in today's webinar because with today's technology and with the advances in broadcasts and digital campaigns, we can now know exactly which half is working and which half isn't. And that is the key to driving performance. So we wanted to start off with the strength of broadcast campaigns. A lot of times people uh, consider broadcasts to just be traditional TV and radio, but I'm gonna pass it over to Tom, who's gonna spell out some of these differences, their strengths and how we can leverage that into
1: greater campaign performance. Thank you, Lucas. you know, it's funny with with t- television, uh, you know, I've been in, in digital for the past uh, 20 years of my career, working for some very large publishers, and in spending uh, the last year and a half at Diary Media, uh, an agency which is really considered to be an expert in the broadcast space, you know, I've I've learned that as we oftentimes try and chase the new bright, shiny objects in, in our industry, um, whether that be, you know, streaming, um, different types of Uh, new and emerging digital platforms, uh, they're all great and they all bring a lot to the table and probably should all be considered as part of a marketer's advertising mix. But I think oftentimes, you know, we hear about the shift of dollars being, you know, uh, moving towards digital from TV, and that's certainly happening. But it doesn't mean you should, uh, you know, lose sight of the fact that linear television, you know, national broadcast cable vision, uh, cable, for example, know, it's still a a $70 billion industry. And so, you know, sometimes that bright shiny object is hiding right in front of you in in plain sight. And there's still a ton of great advantages to broadcast linear TV. You know, you see some of them spelled out here on the slide with low household CPMs and a surprising low cost of entry. I'll I'll talk a little bit about that more, um, you know, over the course of the next half hour or so. But Many people are surprised, you know, I speak to marketers every single day, some of whom who have tried direct response TV, for example, and others who have never tried TV, thinking that it was much too expensive. And if you're working with the right type of media buying agency, uh, you'll realize that there could be, a, you know, from a media standpoint, probably about a fifteen, fifteen or $20,000 test to figure out which networks would work for you, which day parts work for you. Um, And so it's really not this, you know, huge investment that I think many people think. So again, we'll talk a little bit more about that and happy to answer any questions. But, you know, there's something to be said about seeing your product or service on TV in terms of, you know, validating your product. Um, You know, you you can't uh, discount the mass awareness and actually instantaneous results. So our founder, Jim Balitzos, about 33 years ago, was one of the pioneers in figuring out how to, you know, tie conversions back to direct response TV. Um, and even, you know, that was much, much simpler uh, during the time of just using an 800 number. Um, but, you know, as as we've gotten more sophisticated and now we're tying things in and making campaigns integrated with with digital, um, you know, there's, there's much more complicated metrics in place. And LeadsRx is a great tool that allows us to uh, tie back conversion data uh, on broadcast as well and actually make it feel and act a little bit more like a digital campaign. So those are just some of the things that, you know, I wanted to highlight in terms of you know, the power of broadcast and how it it oftentimes surprises people um, because everyone's so uh, fixated on, you know, the shift that's occurring uh, from broadcast to digital.
0: Yeah, well said. I think that a lot of times people get caught up uh, thinking that broadcast really means a a Super Bowl commercial or a a national uh, radio campaign, and they often overlook what's available in, in today's broadcast landscape, which is some of the things you mentioned more fast, you know, instantaneous results, and you can even deploy some of those tricks that have traditionally been for digital uh, in terms of A-B testing um, and validating sort of what message works, what call-to-action works. And, you know, more so today than five, ten years ago, you can get that rapid iteration into your broadcast campaigns, um, and that's really what DiRA specializes in. The next piece here. Is digital campaigns. This is uh, on the other side of the fence, so to speak. I want to pass it over to Lisa, who's going to talk through some of those digital campaigns and their strengths um, and how that has a potential overlap on the broadcast side as well. So, Lisa, take it away.
2: Yes. Thank you, Lucas. So, on the strength of digital campaigns, of course, we can boast that our campaigns are fully trackable as users navigate around the web. So that means we're getting our results in real time as well as those really important insights into the buyer behavior as people are moving around across the web. It's also a very constantly evolving space. So I've been in this field for about the last 10 years. And certainly there have been a lot of changes uh, that have happened in in that amount of time. And the great part of that is that there are new opportunities to explore. So for instance, um, back in the the older days when I had first started in this industry, paid social advertising wasn't even available. Now I think we all know that has has really come to fruition across several that really didn't even exist 10 years ago. So that opens up new opportunities for advertisers all the time. We have platforms like Facebook and, and LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, which are now more, I would say, more mature platforms in terms of the, the advertising component, whereas there are always new platforms on the horizon, including those such as WeChat and in TikTok, um, Snapchat also in the mix as well. So when used in conjunction with traditional media, digital really allows you to target your audience and reach them in ways that, that you wouldn't be able to with just traditional media. So it's expanding your audience, it's giving you very measurable results, presenting lots of new opportunities, and it's also an excellent supplement to traditional media in terms of uh, the types of channels that are available to you. So there are a lot of interactions and intersection points, which we'll talk about later in the webinar. But just to to consider a few, uh, Tom and I had had spoken a lot about how uh, we tend to see an uptick in paid social and paid search performance directly after a radio commercial or a TV commercial airs. In addition, uh, digital audio and digital video campaigns can be a great complement to traditional radio and uh, TV campaigns as well. So essentially just the digital version of that, reaching people that, that otherwise may not have cable and may not see those ads.
0: Thank you. I think one of the pieces that we wanted to highlight from The leads Rx perspective here is is something that you touched upon. Most marketers almost have two two silos. Well, you know, hopefully only two. Many people have uh, three or four kind of data silos or reporting uh, tools or metrics that that don't communicate with each other. So there's often a Chinese firewall, if you will, between the digital and broadcast. And we see it all the time in our customer journeys uh, and in attribution that uh, a marketer is uh, seeing great results on paid social great results on seo and they're sort of taking credit for that um, because those customers are coming in from those channels but they're missing out on the insight that above that above that social media click above the seo visit is a television campaign or a radio campaign or some type of streaming campaign and that's what is uh, prompting that user to do the Google search, to to search on Facebook, uh, to find the brand, to get on that remarketing list, and these things go hand in hand. And if you are going to be spending significant money in an omni-channel environment, it's very important that you do. Uh, you're sort of touching on on both of these camps, both digital and broadcast, because a lot of customers uh, in their journeys are going to have both of those. Uh, campaign types uh, found. And and so oftentimes when somebody ultimately converts, they have heard a TV spot, they have heard a radio spot, even though that doesn't show up in your Google Analytics um, or some of your tracking tools. And that's what this webinar is all about. That's what um, we're hoping to help you guys through because you need to measure all of that. You need to track it with an um, uh, in, in impartial outlook so that you can get those insights that you need to say, we're going to up this radio campaign uh, or up this particular digital campaign because it all overlaps in today's day and age uh, with with marketing. So up next, next we have um, customer journeys. So this is something that LeadsRx uh, takes um, a a big focus in. And what we like to do is map the entire customer journey. And we really uh, work hard to make sure that we get that journey from start to finish. And I think that's where a lot of marketers miss and where a lot of the insights are uh, sort of hiding out. And what I mean by that is many marketers will uh, start with a top-of-the-funnel conversion. It's a newsletter, it's a form fill, it's a lead. And you have that kind of push and pull between marketing and sales where marketing says, well, we got 100 hundred leads today uh, or 100 leads this month. Why haven't we closed those deals? And sales says, well, those leads are not qualified. What you should be doing as a marketer and what attribution is all about is tracking all the way down to that final, final KPI, the most important KPI, the most important conversion, typically where revenue is realized. That could be a contract signed, that could be an e commerce order. And so we recommend for marketers and anybody that's on uh, this webinar to really think through, what is that bottom conversion? Most people aren't reaching far enough down in the funnel and tracking that. That's where you want to get your insights uh, to, to be helping. You want insights that help you get more of those conversions at the bottom. Nobody really cares about having more emails on your newsletter list if those people don't end up converting into paying customers. So we always recommend that uh, marketers focus on that bottom-of-the-funnel conversion and optimize their campaigns accordingly. So what's a a typical customer journey? Uh, I think it really depends on what the offer is, uh, what the business and the advertiser is promoting. If you're selling a $25 t-shirt on Instagram, your customer journey might look like one or two ads were seen, one or two ads were clicked, and a person makes an impulse buy. That's a very short customer journey. The opposite of that would be maybe somebody selling financial services or something that's uh a little more complicated and expensive. that might lead to a television ad making somebody uh, raising awareness for the offer, then a web visit, then nothing for a few weeks, then a radio ad, then nothing for a few weeks. They read a blog post, they sign up for the newsletter. they might go go. Uh, quiet for six months before they then come back when they're ready to talk about the next stage. Then there's a demonstration. Then there's a contract. You can see how complicated this could be. But it's, it's all very, very critical that you capture as a marketer because each one of those touches has some level of cost. It also has some level of impact on their ability to convert. And so we really want uh, to help people focus on capturing that very first touch point all the way at the top and then that very, very bottom of the funnel conversion and everything in between that is the customer journey. So I wanted to open it up to uh, Tom and Lisa here. Uh, Tom, maybe you can you can go first, but what's an example of uh, maybe a, a typical customer
1: journey in your world and, and maybe an example? Yeah, no, you you brought up a lot of really good points, uh, Lucas, about, you know, the intricacies of some of the customer journeys. And, in, in, you know, what we've learned is, you know, no no two marketers will have the exact same uh, customer journey, although there's some very, sim- you know, very strong similarities when you think of a typical sales funnel. And you were talking about, you know, generating awareness at the top, following that up with some interest, and then ultimately moving someone to the point of conversion you know, and of course it it depends on which channels they're, they're most active on, Um, you know, so when you're incorporating a a marketing mix with, um, you know, paid search and social um, perhaps some, some video like YouTube um, and, and mixing that in with, with broadcast, you know, generally speaking, you know, there's going to be some of those, those platforms are going to work more towards awareness. Some could be um, much better in terms of, Driving conversions, and you know that's where we lean on LeadsRX to act as you know a um, you know an unbiased you know third party to look at you know how do we weight some of those different uh, pieces of the customer journey and try and understand it and really dive dive down you know deep into that. Um, but you know it's 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 different for every client, and you know what, what's really important to us is to really focus on the KPIs um, with with each of our clients. And figure out okay what are we going to do to work towards that. And you know sometimes it's uh, you know dialing certain things up or certain things down in different ways. You know the best thing is, is of course whenever you could operate in a vacuum um, because that allows you to really analyze results at the beginning of a campaign. So oftentimes we'll try and launch different platforms in different stages so we can you know initially see what's having the greatest impact from an awareness standpoint. Um, And then, of course, we'll start to do that, too, from a a conversion standpoint as well. But, yeah, I know the good thing is I feel like with with our clients, many of them are are direct response focused, not all of them. But, you know, we'll start off with that same framework. um, And, you know, we'll we'll do a lot of testing and learning with our clients. Uh, But again, we've been doing this for 33 years. So the good news is we're not learning on their dime. um, But there are certain unique intricacies for each client. Um, that require a certain amount of of testing and learning. So hand it over to Lisa, too, for your, your point of view.
2: Thanks, Tom. Yeah, I think I would definitely agree that on the market force side and from a digital perspective, it really varies so much from client to client, as well as the types of campaigns that we're running and the events or conversions that we're optimizing against. So, um, our bread and butter within Market Force is definitely e commerce. And if you take a channel such as paid search, a lot of times paid search is a last click channel and it it often is also the only channel. So, that journey is pretty straightforward. However, given the convergence of, of so many different forms of media and the evolution of the industry, we're looking at our attribution data all the time to look at those paths and are and increasingly becoming more complex. So whereas in, in the past, maybe our clients, customers may only be interacting with um, paid search or there's also a lot of intersection with organic search. They We are now seeing uh, touch points across paid social channels, across display. So it's really good to have the attributed data so that we can really analyze those journeys and help to determine what our media mix should look like, where we can best allocate our budgets, and um, how we can really optimize against those end goals. So. As Tom was saying, that could be very different for lead generation. That might be a much longer customer journey over the course of weeks or even months. And we're looking at often a lot of different conversion types within that journey, whereas an e-commerce journey is typically shorter, um, typically under 30 days or so.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks for that, guys. Let's move on here. And we will check out some of these conversion points. There's a lot of text on this slide. Uh, It's a little bit technical, but what we wanted to unpack here is how the unique conversion points really affect your campaigns. Because uh, oftentimes, marketers will kind of throw their hands up that well, the sales call happens, you know, six months later in the showroom of the auto dealership. And so how are we supposed to know uh, that a conversion happened? All we can do is is focus on web visits or lead generation. And we like to challenge people on that. Um, the, the technology exists and, and LeadsRx has a capability and uh, clever marketers are are able to reach down into that funnel and capture those. Uh, sort of unique and difficult conversion points. And when you're able to map all those customer journeys um, all the way down to that critical conversion point at the bottom of the funnel, you're going to get a lot more meaningful insights about uh, how to optimize to get more people in at the top. So I wanted to pass this over again to to Tom first to walk through some of those unique conversion points from the broadcast side, um, and then just to ask, how you're attributing those conversions across all those various broadcast channels.
1: Yeah, no, it's funny because when I think about this, I oftentimes think about some of the conversations we have with clients when we present to them what the initial test campaign would look like for broadcast. And you'll usually see some some well-known networks on there, you know, like an ESPN, a Fox News, um, HGTV. And of course, those are the ones that our clients are usually looking for. Um, oftentimes, of course, um, intuitively those are generally the most expensive because it's always commensurate with the size of the audience, um, and, you know, demand for that inventory. So what we found though, is there are some really unique, uh, networks and some niche networks that for one reason or another perform exceptionally well. But then there's also, it's interesting to learn which day parts perform better for, um, for our clients. And some just perform, you know, like gangbusters um, for almost any client that we have, you know, that these people must have, you know, they're sitting there with their finger on the button ready to buy um, when when these commercials air. And so, you know, oftentimes we'll, we'll get some challenges from a client when we present the plan and we'll say, great, you know, love all the, the networks that I just mentioned before, like an HGTV or Oxygen or um, Hallmark Channel. Um, but, you know, why is Grit TV on here, for example? um, or some, you know, uh, the up network, for example. And sometimes, you know, you, you're calling it out here, Lucas of, you know, high frequency, low cost spots. And sometimes, you know, that, that allows you to shout your message from the rooftops and quickly increase awareness because many of these networks are carrying, you know, decent, decent numbers in terms of audience and reach. Um, but then again, you know, using, um, you know, using a platform like lead Direct allows us to figure out, okay, so. You know, when we're when we're mapping out the call logs and figuring out, okay, when did these, you know, when did these spots air? That allows us to hone in on very specific day parts and figure out, okay, the network wants us to buy from an 8 to 12. Well, with an agency like Diary, we have, you know, some significant buying power that we're live on TV 52 weeks out of the year. We can say, great, we want to be on your network, uh, but we only want to be on between 7 a.m. and 11 a.m. Because we know that that's when, uh, you know, conversions are highest for our clients. And anything between, let's say, 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. Uh, are just not going to perform as well or, or at all. So, you know, again, it, it oftentimes comes down to, as I mentioned earlier, and we, we've all been talking about doing some testing and learning. Um, and, you know, again, the good news is we've been doing that for the last three decades. So, uh, you know, we bring that knowledge to the table every time we sit down with a new client.
0: Very cool. Lisa, any thoughts on this?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I would just agree again that there are so many different conversion events, especially in the digital space that, that we're looking at. And looking at our attribution definitely helps us to understand how to value those um, and what the propensity is for someone to convert who has already completed what we would call a sub conversion. So that could be something in the lead generation space, like watching a video or taking a tour, uh, signing up for a newsletter, registering for a webinar. So, um, you know, I think there are so many different conversion points and it can be difficult to try to value each of them. And, And that's really where our attribution data can come in and really shed some light.
0: Perfect. I think that's a a nice segue. I'm looking at the poll results that we shared uh, at the beginning of this session. And the number one thing that people were interested in uh, to learn from this webinar was how to track marketing performance. And so I just wanted to highlight that on this slide uh, while while we're on it. At LeadsRx, we really focus on basically being an impartial third party. And the reason that that's important is because If you ask Facebook how well your Facebook campaigns are doing, they're gonna say you're doing great and the way to do better is to spend more to get more. If you ask Google the same question, they're going to nine times out of 10 uh, present data that ultimately informs you to spend more to get more. And attribution is not about spending more to get more, it's how to get more for less, how to optimize for that conversion that you really want. And so given those poll results, it's very critical that uh if you have some of these difficult to measure conversions uh, that might happen uh, happen offline or in a showroom, uh, that you can get those conversions back with a CSV file or sent in with uh via API um, or or even presented back at a monthly report saying these five deals closed. We need to bring those one deals, that revenue event back into the equation. If you're able to bring that back into the equation, you're now, you now have the information that you need to really track the marketing performance. And that's the critical piece. You can't rely on Google's conversion pixel to tell you how well Facebook's doing because they don't share data. And you can't rely on Facebook's to advise on what to do about Google because they don't share data. And if you use Google Analytics, let's say, uh, oftentimes by default, you're stuck with last click or something that just isn't uh, quite all in- encompassing to give you the insights that you need. And it's uh, uh, very difficult, let's just say, to pass in your spot log data and the cost for those spot logs into Google Analytics and expect them to present you with any sort of attribution insights. That's where LeadsRx lives. That's what we are helping our clients do is roll out a a sort of magic pixel, if you will, that is that third party uh, impartial voice that allows you to say for every dollar spent, you're getting a higher return on radio than you are on podcasts, you're getting a higher return on OTT than you are on television and the Facebook uh, carousel is outperforming the Snapchat location ad. The only way to really grab all of that at once and to have an accurate uh, insight um, uh, provided by your uh, attribution provider, you're going to need to track everything, all the channels, as well as that important conversion point. And without that, you are sort of left with some level of anecdote or gut feeling. And we want to try to solve to... uh, To stay away from that we will we like to optimize based on the data and we really chase what is uh, what we believe the most important metric return on ad spend and so hopefully that brings some level of insight into how to track those marketing uh how to track marketing performance in an omni-channel environment um but if there's more questions on that please use the uh chat feature here uh or even the questions in the control panel and we'll address those throughout the session So moving on to the next slide, I wanted to pass it over to Lisa to kind of explain this graphic here and just elaborate on how a little bit further we've touched on all this as already. So maybe we can scoot through this a little faster, but how digital and broadcast work together and what that overlap really is.
2: Yeah, thanks Lucas. So what this is illustrating here is really just one example. So, I can kick this conversation off and, and then I'll uh, turn it over to Tom as well, who I know um, will be able to share his experience as well in terms of digital and broadcast working together and uh, the synergies that we can see when we have um, both in market so again, this is just one example, but it's looking at um, it's looking at the intersection between. Consumers who are just watching cable TV on the left, in the middle of this lovely Venn diagram, you're seeing um, the intersection point of people that do have a typical cable um, provider, but that also have um, over the top services. And that could be any streaming service such as Netflix. Hulu, Amazon Prime, just so we're clear on on some of those um, abbreviations. And then on the far right, what you see is the subset of consumers who are either cord cutters, meaning that they had cable at one point, um, but but they no longer do, or in in some cases, cord nevers, where they just weren't consumers that, that ever had a cable solution. So, if you're looking at um, who you're going to reach with just traditional TV, you're missing out on a lot of those consumers that they're just never going to be exposed to those ads. So, when you use a traditional uh, TV campaign in conjunction with, just as an example, a digital video campaign, you can reach a much larger audience. So, that's a 16%. Average incremental increase in the audience that you're reaching. And of course, in the marketing world, that's really, really important. What we're always tra- aiming for with our campaigns is consistency and frequency. So, to have those extra ad exposures, to get into that sweet spot of three to 10 ad exposures that are going to be the most influential to the average consumer, it is definitely a benefit. To have those campaigns that are, that are increasing the reach of the audience to, to people that would not have seen those ads, but also just reinforcing that message to consumers who are going to see them both. So Tom, I'll kick it over to you at this point.
1: Great. yeah, those are all great points, Lisa, in terms of making sure you know these are people that you would miss uh, if you were doing one or the other, so there's that big important sweet spot in the middle there of, of consumers, again, that you would not be speaking to. Uh, the one thing I wanted to add to this is the benefits of when broadcast and digital work together from a conversion standpoint, we all know that when we're watching TV now, we all have a phone in our pocket, on a lap, maybe we have an iPad or, or our uh, laptop, With many of us working from home now more than ever, uh, probably have a laptop out as well. So we are connected to some type of digital device while we're watching TV. And that would include streaming services too, I would argue. but what's what's great is the power of applying paid search to your TV campaigns and making sure that there's a lot of synergy there, because what we often do as um, you know as, as a tactic is uh, leveraging bid modifiers to paid search so that when your broadcast uh, schedule is live, or when your spot is airing, let's say on HDTV at twelve noon. We're going to increase your, your branded keyword terms on, on Google or, or Bing. And you, know, you, don't, you don't want to miss anyone who wants to do a little bit of research on your brand or your category while your ad is running. And uh, conversely, we could talk a little bit more about this later too. Uh, another strategy that we'd like to employ is if you have a competitor that's spending a ton of money on broadcast, uh, maybe outspending you on broadcast, you can leverage digital by way of paid search and these bid modifiers. Uh, through uh, in an audible watermark um, that all all ads have uh, on broadcast, you can uh, try and outbid your competitors um, from a from a paid search standpoint, so that your ads appear when people are watching, you know, your competitors' commercial. So there's a lot that can be done there in ways of tying digital together with TV. Again, not just from a planning standpoint, but from a conversion and attribution standpoint as well.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Right.
2: I just wanted to add, um, from the digital standpoint, um, what Tom has said is absolutely true. I know for for one of our clients in particular that does a lot of TV advertising, they are in the home improvement industry. And after one of their commercials airs, we typically see about a 30% increase in our branded impressions and a 70% increase in the number of clicks. So it's increasing awareness, but you can also see that it's increasing intent as well. So that's really, really powerful.
0: Very cool. I would add just one other piece of this, which is a a cutting edge kind of component to how these two uh, worlds communicate, digital and broadcast, and that's ACR data. So we can have Advertisements run on smart TVs, tech uh, uh, connected TVs, that actually look at the pixel data that's being presented on the screen. And if they see the Coca-Cola logo, they know that 11:15 a.m. this device at this IP address was exposed to the Coca-Cola commercial. And we grab that data, and that means you know exactly that um, this particular household uh saw that ad and then when that IP address goes and visits the website if you're doing attribution properly uh you can capture all that and it's it's really quite granular uh where you can go uh when you want to attribute uh the performance of OTT and some of the the broadcast campaigns that have a digital overlap so it's it's a rapidly changing environment um but it's it's all working in a way that Um, is focused on tracking performance and we just encourage everybody to embrace that because you're going to get more out of that ad spend if you do so let's move on here i think this is an important thing to bring up a lot of times people are sort of scared of attribution scared of going into a multi-channel or omni omni channel uh, environment because it's it's convenient and easy to live in the facebook ecosystem Or the google ecosystem um, and essentially let these guys grade their own homework um, and you let facebook report on itself you let google report on itself that's not going to lead you to the sort of cross channel insights that you're after so i wanted to bring up some of these multi-channel mistakes and i think i'm just going to hit this slide here uh, so we can quickly move on to some other stuff um, and save some time but the mistakes that we see are people not tracking the full funnel and not grabbing the important conversion point. That's what we talked about earlier in the presentation. But you don't want to basically launch attribution without your underlying goal. So if you want to lower cost per acquisition, you need to go figure out what and where acquisition actually takes place. It's often not the lead gen form, that's usually insufficient. And most marketers, Uh, or a percentage of marketers that we work with that are trying to make the leap into multi-channel or attribution end up falling short there because they neglect to uh, capture the important uh, conversion point at the bottom of the funnel. The other piece is that it's not all inclusive. So they say, uh, we're doing attribution for our Google and Facebook campaigns, but they neglect the other components that might be broadcast. It might be something you're doing on Pinterest. Or Twitter, and instead of bringing it into the same equation, you're living with the Pinterest conversion tracking uh, pixel, so to speak, and letting Pinterest report on its silo and Twitter report on its silo, when in reality, it's the same ad buckets, the same ad dollars. And you need to know that uh, the, the combination of those channels, you need to know which of those is working the best and the most efficiently at driving those conversions. And so, those are really the common mistakes we see, looking at the wrong conversion point and not tracking all of your campaigns with one tool, one data source. And so if I were to give uh, an example or some advice for people that are starting out, it's just take a step back. You don't need uh, to make it overly complicated. What do you want more of? Most likely it's sales. Make sure that you know how to get the feedback loop from sales from that conversion point that's step one step two use uh, a, a tracking software uh, and a conversion tracking pixel like leads rx that can capture everything not just digital not just broadcast but digital and broadcast together that's the only way to optimize across those channels you have to have them in the same ecosystem at the same time don't forget to track your non-paid channels as well. If you have people writing blogs or doing SEO, that might not be quote-unquote advertising, but there's a spend and an effort going towards that, and those touch points end up in the customer journey. So they are not to be overlooked. Uh, you need to track those as well. Not everything that has an ad dollar um, is... is uh, Just things that have ad dollars are not the only place you should be looking. You should be looking at the entire marketing landscape, including those organic channels. So how does streaming fit into the mix, guys? I will uh, uh, pass it over to, I think, Lisa uh, first here to talk about some of these streaming pieces, uh, and then uh, Tom as well. I know you have some ideas here, and then I'll, I'll wrap it up.
2: Thanks, Lucas. Yeah, I think streaming is definitely an area of opportunity and has been for some time. But I think it's just more important now in this post-pandemic world, just given um, the, the number of people that are streaming now that maybe weren't before or have just increased how much they're streaming. So on average in the U.S., consumers are Spending essentially double the amount of time streaming media as they did before the pandemic. Um, In terms of podcasts, which which I know is one point that we wanted to talk about, we haven't seen as much of an uptick just during the pandemic, but it's important to note that within the last decade, we've seen also about double the number of people um, that are actively listening to podcasts on a regular basis. So it's really important to consider streaming media in in your total media mix because of the number of people that are going to see those ads and the number of people that um, are are really, that's their lifestyle. So you're really getting those ad exposures. Again, it's reinforcing um, what you're doing in some of the other channels, both offline and online. So it's definitely not something to ignore, especially now during the pandemic where we're seeing such a huge increase in um, the number of active consumers.
1: Yeah, that's a great, all great points, Lisa. Um, and I would I would add on to that is there's some other great benefits to streaming as well. I'm glad you talked about some of the immediate benefits, you know, given our current uh situation with the pandemic and some of the um effects that it's had on some of the different platforms and i think streaming might be to your point one of the biggest areas where we're seeing you know that uptick um what i will say is you know you get the benefits too of having your brand surrounded by really high quality content you know if you think about what people are streaming lately um so that's another clear benefit is you get that intrinsic value that goes along with that uh the other thing i would add is um You get, you know, it really is the intersection of linear TV and digital. So you get the added benefits of all the, um, you know, all the great aspects that we love about digital from a targeting standpoint. Um, Also being able to leverage sequential messaging, um, I think is another benefit of streaming as well, where you could serve one ad to someone who has already seen a different type of ad, um, you know, on a display ad, um, or perhaps show a different type of ad for someone who's already seen your first ad. So there's a lot that can be done, you know, from a pixeling standpoint to kind of make, uh, make these ads uh, look like linear and kind of act like digital. Awesome. One point I wanted to bring
0: up here, cause I see a couple questions coming in uh, and I know everybody's interested in the hot topic of uh, podcast advertising and podcast advertising is something that we've recently embraced And it's really a great medium uh, because it is that overlap of broadcast and digital. When we do podcast advertising, we can provide essentially um, a a mechanism for when the ad is either read on air or the episode is downloaded, it will basically trigger uh, the equivalent of almost an impression. uh, And it works very similar to broadcast. And uh, we can bring in those ad spots. The time of day that they were ran, we can look at the local market, the IP address, um, and stitch all that together into a nice, uh, very, very accurate podcast uh, attribution product that can track your performance on podcast ads um, in a little bit more digital, a little bit more granular way than what's available on traditional radio. That being said, there was a direct question about traditional radio, and so I wanted to highlight that here. Traditional radio uh, uh, is a great source for raising awareness. We've seen as as budget uh, sort of is leaving and going into digital, that just leads to more competition, higher cost per click, uh, a more crowded uh, set of messages across your competitors, and radio is kind of this area where there's uh, some some open space. Uh, the CPMS are 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 cheaper. And you can reach a, a wide swath of people for a relatively affordable price. And when we look at radio advertising, we don't go with the spray and pray methodology. Uh, we segment things uh, up to uh, seven different sort of custom dimensions. That could be your day part, your creative, what network you're on, what market you're in, and when we are able to uh, deploy that radio attribution tool, you start to figure out that the uh, male uh, vocalist who's reading the ad uh, is outperforming um, the other version. And Tuesdays and Thursdays during the daily commute uh, is the best performing day part. And so attribution applied to radio can really pull those insights out. And then when you bring in the digital side, you can then see how those people came to the site, what blog posts they're reading, what conversion points are uh, most attractive to them, and you use that to inform your next media buy. So that's how radio comes into play, and we take uh, a a very focused approach on how to track that in terms of attribution. Let's talk a bit about data and analytics. We're running out of time here, and I know folks got to jump, so let's try to speed through this one at least I'll pass it over to you on the digital side. Uh, But what's the right data to be looking at? There's a wealth of information out there. What is sort of the two or three critical things that people need to keep their eyes on?
2: Right. And I think per our previous uh, discussion, it really depends on what the goals of a given campaign are. and, and, And for a given client, that could be very different. So Just generally speaking, on the e-commerce side, typically we are optimizing towards sales or purchases, return on ad spend. As Lucas mentioned, revenue per visitor, total revenue uh, with lead gen. The key metrics that we're typically looking at are leads, um, cost per lead, and there may be also some sub-conversion types like um, the signups I mentioned, registrations, that kind of thing um, that we're also looking at watching watching a video taking a tour of the site etc cetera, etc cetera. and then from a branding and awareness perspective I think the key things that that we'd be looking at would typically be impressions clicks reach and unique reach is especially important uh, video or audio completion rates and then in terms of um, paid social we're often looking at engagements shares likes um, so, so, a little bit different, depending on what your goals are but but generally, I think those are those are really the key metrics. Um, so, Tom, did you have anything else to add?
1: Yeah, I mean for the you you hit all the great points and and you started off great with this slide, Lucas. So, for the sake of time, um, I'll just say yes, I agree um, but yeah, basically, one of the things I would call out is that um we only do some testing and learning if we think there are gonna be actionable. Uh, results that we can really do something with, you know, testing for the sake of testing um, just because it sounds good uh, doesn't always work as far as we're concerned in terms of, you know, um, using your ad dollars wisely. So again, uh, we, we study the, the data uh, vigorously and we, it, of course it, it um, informs our optimizations. But again, I would just always make sure that if you're going to do some type of a test, um, adding a new platform to your marketing mix or doing some AB testing with your creative. Just always make sure that um, the results are going to be actionable and you could actually do something with the data.
0: Good points, guys. I'm going to tackle this next one, save some time for the end. But I want to talk about where the industry is going. Obviously, the streaming technologies, ACR data, podcasts, OTT, these are kind of the future mediums. I've been seeing uh, ads and calls to action in in my world for basically self-serve TikTok ads uh, that have have basically seemed to hit the market uh, in the past week. So these are the new platforms. This stuff is always going to be changing. But I think what we haven't hit on yet so far is really what's happening to tracking and cookies. And it's important to bring this up. Uh, I wish we had more time to cover it. And we're happy to cover it in greater detail uh, with a follow-up. Uh, or, or answer any questions via email, but basically with ITP, GDPR, and CCPA, the browsers, and Apple, and everybody is sort of tightening the, the ability to track customers or visitors, let's say, with third-party tracking tools, and what's extremely important about this, guys, is that um, it seems scary, but it's not the end of the world. What you need to do is focus on getting first-party Tracking, and that's something that LeadsRx is able to do, so that the advertiser, instead of serving a Facebook pixel and a Pinterest pixel and a XYZ pixel, advertiser X is going to be serving uh, a advertiser X pixel and creating their own first-party cookies. What does that mean? It means you're going to get the most robust tracking available, uh, even as the browsers start to continue to tighten the screws here you better believe that Amazon is still going to be able to give you a customized, personalized experience. And that's because Amazon is serving its own Amazon tracking and using first party tools to personalize that experience. Advertisers are going to follow suit. We all need to get on board with this. You need to make sure that you're using the uh, first party tracking tools and basically playing ball with the new rules and regulations coming down uh, from the broadcasters. What's working right now in the pandemic? Lisa and Tom, let's, uh, let's go through that quickly. Lisa, you're first.
2: Sure. Okay, so what are we seeing working right now in the digital space? And that is definitely paid search uh, being a, a big part of that. We've seen CPCs that are much, much lower during the pandemic. I'm assuming because some advertisers are not in the mix or just aren't bidding as aggressively. So that's definitely an area of opportunity. I suspect that that will start going up over time. But um, to date, we've seen much lower CPCs than we have historically for our clients uh, within MarketForce. Product listing ads are also a great buy right now, just given the focus on e-commerce. So selling products. Is, is really, really um, important for our clients. And that is one way um, that, that we can really influence a purchase is with product listing ads. Another tactic that we've seen some of our clients in the lead generation space exploring is hosting webinars in place of some of the live events that they would have otherwise been able to participate in or host. And I think Obviously, the webinar is a little bit of a different format than a live event, but I think in lieu of being able to have a live event, it's it's really a good alternative. And then, of course, as we've mentioned, CTV and, and over-the-top uh, media is definitely a good buy right now, just given the amount of uh, streaming that, that's occurring and uh, the opportunity that we see there. Do you have anything else to add, Tom?
1: Yeah, uh we're seeing a lot of the same trends, Lisa. The maybe one or two other things that I would just add is that um, you know, there were some really strong buys to be had um on the broadcast side as a lot of major marketers quickly pulled back. You know, you think of your travel marketers like a Delta or you know, Starwood Marriott and those guys, you know, their their business was impacted tremendously. Um, you know, as as we were all kind of put into some type of a lockdown mode. And so that that created some big gaping holes, um, you know, from from an advertising standpoint for the, many of the large uh, networks. And so that's one of the great things about working in the the lane that we work operate in. You know, there's the upfronts, and then there's the DRTV DRTV space where we operate. And so that allows us to be very nimble for our clients that were continuing to run that had some essential products and services. Um, and there's still some good. Good deals to be had, but that's quickly tightening up as many marketers are changing their messaging. Um, you know, you're seeing all the auto manufacturers now talking about, um, you know, three month, uh, ninety day forgiveness on on payments. You're seeing zero percent for seventy two months and beyond. So now all the marketers are starting to shift, and you'll see, mar- you know, McDonald's ads now with the employees wearing masks. So, you know, as those marketers are shifting, they're coming back with the budgets to say, hey, you know, we're open and we're ready for business. Um, but, you know, again, following the trends as, as Lisa was just mentioning is, is what we were able to do for our clients. And, you know, some, those are some of the things that were working exceptionally well. We had some clients that were trying broadcast for the very first time over the course of the last few months. And, um, you know, thankfully they saw some great results and are continuing to run now through, through the end of the year.
0: Awesome. Well, guys, we are. Going to wrap up here, we're a little bit over time. I see a bunch of guys still hanging out, and that's great. So I wanted to just touch on some questions. Uh, but before everybody jumps off, um, we wanted to thank you all for coming. There's a recording of this uh, presentation that will be available uh, hopefully later today. Feel free to circulate and share that. Uh, but while we still have some time and the guys are still hanging out, I wanted to address the questions that came across. So can we talk more about optimizing SEO while running a broadcast ad and how to bid for ads when you are running during a show or a program? I think Tom uh, hit on that really well. Uh, So Tom, I don't know if you want to revisit that answer, but how do you optimize SEO when you have those broadcast ads running? You don't want to step on your toes, uh, but you want
1: to maximize that result. So maybe you can talk us through that one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it sounds oversimplistic to say monitor it super carefully, but, you know, sometimes ads clear and sometimes they don't. Sometimes, you know, we get surprised uh, that, that more ads clear sometimes than, um, you know, than we might have been expecting or anticipating. And so, you know, we carefully monitor the the budgets and the bids, um, you know, sometimes out. That- hourly and even on the weekends um i'll just use one quick anecdote where we had a brand new advertiser uh pure flow they do cabin air filters for our cars you know much like you change them at your house in your hvac system this client now does it for uh inside your car most cars on the road now have it and he started his tv campaign and on a sunday we, we were looking and said you know wow look at this we ate through the uh you know the seo budget already and so um you know, we were able to quickly make those changes on the fly because, you know, again, there was just this huge response. It also happened to be a competitive landscape um, with some other companies with a similar name of, of PureFlow in some different industries. So there's a lot of different dynamics that we were working through, but just carefully monitoring them when your broadcast campaign is live um, will allow you to do that most effectively and make sure that you're not running out of budget. For example, you know, on a day where you might have a bunch of high profile spot there.
0: Well, guys, we're going to wrap it up and let everybody get on about their day. If you have any questions or you want to copy the presentation, please feel free to send an email to Lucas at LeadsRx, and we're going to follow up with everybody as well uh, with an email and a link to the recording. So thanks for coming. It was a pleasure having you, Tom and Lisa. Thanks for the advice and the guidance. And until next time, signing off.